0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De
1: Bruyne, oh, one no City. And Pogba leaves for
0: McTominay.
1: Going for Kane. Oh, what a finish. Yeah. And Pookie. Salah to settle it. And Rupert Neves.
0: William for Chelsea. And that could be the goal that seals the
1: title for Liverpool at long last. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world. A tad predictable with your host, Puyuachan and his guest, Jake Jackman. I am the king. I will punish you. Any man who must say I am the king is no true king. Our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle, has been prancing around promoting he is the king of Banquet of Burnet. And as we heard before, any man who must say I am the king is no true king so i've only gone and summoned the og of bank it or burn it you all can cue the undertaker rising g- uh, gif or meme it's jake jackman jake uh welcome back to the show and how do you feel about guys antics these past weeks since you've been away
0: yeah thanks for uh, having me back on and um yeah i'm looking forward to trying to uh prove why i am the uh better player at bank it or burn it <laughs> <laughs>
1: no pressure at all
0: yep no pressure i think i am ready to to come back and do even better than before got some research in and uh yeah looking forward to that part of the show later on oh wow
1: heavy is the head that wears the crown
0: yeah very heavy <laughs> <laughs> feeling the pressure already <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> actual quote uh random factoid is it? It's that quote is from Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth, Part Two, if I'm not mistaken, and it's actually uneasy as the head that wears the crown. But I suppose popular culture has changed it to heavy as the head. Uh, that's a little trivia for anyone <laughs> that was paying attention to that. Um, but we'll jump right into it, Jake. We've got fixtures coming in thick and fast, and it's gearing up to that phase of the season where squad depth is quite important. I would probably say, especially more so for the clubs in Europe um because they've got those midweek games as well uh, do you agree with that and does that affect your scoreline predictions
0: um yeah I, I do agree with it I think it's going to be tough um it's going to be a tough year for those in Europe I think we've already seen Liverpool are the ones that have come down with more injuries than any of the other teams so far but um I'm sure they'll all be feeling fatigue and uh I think a fixture this week that we might see a little bit of the fatigue is the uh Chelsea Burnley game with uh Burnley uh with chelsea haven't had the long haul flight to russia um only yesterday and um we'll be playing on saturday so there's not much of a turnaround there so that might be an interesting one to to bring forward a, a bit of a rogue prediction
1: oh interesting a little teaser there um and obviously I'm, I'm guessing there is only one uh standout fixture of the weekend or the, the biggest fixture of the weekend am, am i am i thinking in the same wavelength as you
0: yeah, I think so. It's got to be um it's got to be the Sunday four o'clock kickoff, hasn't it, between um Arsenal and Manchester United. I think that's a that's a big game.
1: Yeah, that should be an exciting one. Yeah. But we do start the podcast off with a big game for people that listen to this podcast, because it's the darlings. Uh Crystal Palace, they go to Wolves. Uh a Wolves team that's had a shaky start. Um but they've started to get a little bit better, started with two losses got two wins and then a draw this past week how do you see this wolf size handling the the darlings
0: yeah wolves have been a a a weird one this so far this season they've been so good for the last couple of years um but they don't seem to be quite um quite as um formidable as they were i think the losing matt doherty and diego jota uh in the summer has, has not helped them uh, they've brought in players like Samedo and Fabio Silva, but um don't think they've quite got up to the level yet. Um, Samedo, especially because he's been the one that's been playing, he just doesn't quite um, look as good as Doherty did. I think it's probably just a, a settling in period and Wolves are going for a bit of a transition. So I think we are seeing that um, last week against uh, Newcastle. Um, they weren't too good, um, especially with the ball. They seem to be lacking a, a few ideas up front, and it seems like very reliant on Raúl Jiménez this year. So, um, yeah, it's it's a tr- going to be a tricky period for Wolves, and coming up against Crystal Palace, it's going to be difficult for them to break uh, Palace down. We know how familiar how um, resilient they are, under Hodgson, and and I think they've got a little bit more in attack than uh, Newcastle did last week. So, um, it'll be a more difficult game, but um, yeah, I think I am going to go for a one or draw. I can't really call a winner in this one. I think that. Palace don't have too many goals in their team. I scored a few against Fulham last week, but the the week before against Brighton, they only had one shot and that was coming from the penalty spot. So, um, yeah, I don't think they're quite the free-flowing attacking force that we saw last week. I think that was more to do with the opposition than it was to do with um with Palace. And uh, Wolves are not going to give them as much space um, on the counter-attack either. Wolves are very good at, at switching back to defend when they lose the ball. They're very good in tra- transition. So, it's going to be a more difficult game for Palace, but I think for Wolves they they a bit like Palace. I don't think their attack is quite as good as it it can be, and especially against a team that will sit back and and invite them onto them like Newcastle did last week. They seem to be lacking ideas and, and don't have that creative player um, to break teams down. They're much better at playing on the counter attack against better teams. I think. Although their fixtures do stiffen up a bit in the coming weeks, I think we're going to see Wolves do a little bit better against those teams that that give them more space on the counter, as opposed to teams like Palace and Newcastle last week. So I think I'm going to go for the same result, one old draw.
1: Yeah, but look, I, I I was looking at that fixture and looking at a draw as well. I, I think one was a good shout and... I'm probably gonna lock that in and, and join you in, in saying one one. I'm I'm sorry to the Crystal Palace fans. Uh this is the first time in a long time that I haven't predicted a Crystal Palace win. But I just think both teams are gonna cancel each other out. Um you've mentioned the possession factor. I, I was so surprised and I guess I think it was part of the Bankett or Burnett questions from last week, but I was so surprised at how little possession um crystal palace actually had in the game against fulham i know it's away from home but you would think against fulham they still would have gotten a bit more possession they only have 35 percent um which which was like i know they they like to play on the counter but wow um yeah so i, I think it's going to be similar in this game and when you've got a guy like him his up front i'm pretty sure he's going to be able to punish them a bit more than Um, Fulham did if they allow them to have as much possession as as they did Fulham so I've also gone 1-1 hopefully um, they prove me wrong for the sake of this podcast (laughs) Um, hopefully they prove me wrong Uh, but in the next game it's a team that's struggling Um, Sheffield United they've just come from playing Liverpool and then they look up and they've got Man City next how do you see them hanging on in this game if they can?
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, difficult for Sheffield United. Um, They've obviously only got one point um, so far, um, which is a bit of a come down from last year when they were the, I guess they were similar to what Leeds are this season and they came up and surprised a lot of people with their style of play and how effective it was Um, and a lot of players that that maybe we haven't previously heard of coming up and doing really well um, at this level. and. In the summer, they seem to have stuck with those guys. I know they've brought in Sander Burge in January uh, and obviously Rhian Brewster's coming from Liverpool, but um, it's pretty much the squad that got um, got them promoted a couple of years ago. And, um, you yeah, know, they might be a bit of second season syndrome there. I think that um, their defence is, is still pretty solid. They're not conceding many chances, but then um, they're not really creating too many either. And I think that's been the biggest problem for them has been converting the chances that they do create. Um they were probably hoping that Rian Brewster was gonna help with that. Um but, you know, it's early days for him and I think with a player um with his lack of experience is asking for a lot for him to come in and, and provide the main source of goals. He did well at Swansea last year, but it's it's a diff- difficult um to come up to the Premier League and do that. And we may see over the coming months why Liverpool were were happy to sell him. Um because they might, we might, you know, it might become clear why that was. But it's still early days for him, um, and he will still be settling into the team. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a difficult one. But I'm sure playing against a team like um, Man City might be good for Sheffield United, really, because it, they're not going to have too much pressure on them. Um, they can play on the counter attack. We see how how poor City have been against a, a lot of teams so far. They've not been. Um, Scoring as many goals, they've not been creating as many chances. I think if you look at the big chances created so far, the season City are down in about mid table where they're normally leading that by quite some distance. So, um, yeah, it, it, things haven't clicked for them, they've had a lot of injuries. Um, obviously, Aguero missing out, uh, going out off injured with a hamstring last week is not going to help them. Um, they've got, um, Phil Foden might play false nine, but um, he looked good in the position last week against West Ham. But it's still asking a lot for um, for him to play that role. Um, probably a, a role he's not played too many times, especially at senior level. So it might be a good good fixture for Sheffield Sheffield United. Um, I, despite it being City, I don't think there's going to be many goals in it. I think that um, Sheffield United would be solid enough, but I think that they, they will struggle to to cause City problems. So I can see it being a narrow City win. Um, Kevin De Bruyne coming back into the team is probably going to help them a lot. We saw him get, a couple, I think it was a couple of assists in the Champions League, so yeah, he, he's probably ready to kickstart his season now. Um, after a couple of disappointing showings against Leeds and um, um, before the break and when he got his injury, so yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a, an interesting game to see where City are I think City are at the point now where they need they can't drop any more points if they are going to push on and and. Regain their title uh, despite Liverpool's injuries. Liverpool have still got quite a good points per game so far and seem to be going along relatively well um, so far. So, yeah, it's, it's important that City win this this weekend against the team with, with just one point. See, so, yeah, I think I'm going to tip City and maybe just a 1 0 City win. I don't think there's going to be many goals, but um, yeah, they should probably have enough.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think this is a must win for City as well. Um, I guess the, the league form reflects the the form of and availability of the players they've had in attacking positions this season. You've mentioned Kevin De Bruyne, you've mentioned Aguero. They haven't really featured much this season because of injuries and Nagels and they've been in the team, out the team. So that's not helping with their rhythm either. Um, So hopefully the midweek game, as you mentioned, hopefully that helps KDB get up to match fitness and get back to, you know, controlling this team, which he does so well in an attacking sense. The injuries to Aguero and Gabriel Jesus, so um, yeah, they they're not so great for City, but I still think they've got enough firepower. You look at the likes of Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, they've got an abundance of riches. I could I could keep going and listing uh, their attacking threats. So I think that City take this. I think it's going to be a 2 0 City win, um, which you know Sheffield if 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 they can come away from the game at at least feeling like they played well hopefully then they take that into the next game and but as you said they've they've got nothing to lose in this game and you know um they might as well play as as hard as they can and try and get a win and the next game that we move on to is another team that's hoping to get a win um hoping to correct their season it's Burnley they host Chelsea Uh, Chelsea team that played well midweek in the Champions League and probably hoping to carry that form into the Premier League. Uh, How how do you see this Chelsea side doing against a Burnley side that hasn't gotten a win yet this season, but Chelsea on the other hand have only gotten one win. The rest have been draws and one loss.
0: Yeah, um, I think I mentioned this a bit earlier that it it might be an opportunity for Burnley with um, Chelsea having that, long-haul flight to Russia um, not having as much time to prepare for the game there might be some tiredness um, so yeah, it's, it's probably an opportunity for for Burnley here, I think that they've been slowly improving, especially defensively um, I think they've conceded one in their last two now, the big problem for them has been scoring goals um, but I think in Chris Wood, they've got a striker that, that can, can cause Chelsea problems, uh, Chelsea have been keeping a couple more clean sheets recently but they're still um, some vulnerability there in that back four um so yeah i think i think they will struggle a little bit against burnley's physicality um and, and yeah i could i could definitely see burnley maybe taking something from this game um I still think chelsea are the favorites as as they will be um when they come up against a team that uh, they're in the bottom three but i just think that um but chelsea i think last week they went too impressive attacking wise i think they, they failed to score in the champions league and the week before that as well so they, they've been struggling to score um where they have improved defensively it seems that their problems have, have shifted slightly so Lampard's still trying to find the right balance to, to make sure they are firing at both ends
1: yeah and i think so the interesting thing you mentioned champions um... league, so maybe he'll get a start and Sorry, The 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 interesting thing, you mentioned the travel to Russia and not just the travel to Russia but the amount of players that they had that went with the team, uh, is that a concern for you? You look at the likes of Jorginho and stuff, do, did they need to take all of their star players with to Russia?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one I guess Lampard's probably seeing it as another game to, to try and find um, the right style and the right formation and build a bit of confidence um, with only having a a couple of wins in the league but then you will get the the knock-on effects of fatigue and you know not only just by playing the match it's the travel and it's the the mental tiredness that that brings as well so yeah, it it might be one that you you might need to look at going forward in the Champions League and maybe resting um, a couple of players each week because I think that Chelsea I wouldn't say they're as good as at Liverpool or Manchester City's level yet but you think in pure squad depth there isn't they've probably got one of the deeper squads in the league I think that if you look look at the amount of players they've got in defence you know Rudiger can't even get a game at the moment you look at attack Callum Hudson-Odoi Tammy Abraham Olivier Giroux are not, not playing too much they've got a lot of depth in that squad um, and I don't think the drop-off is as big as it is at maybe Liverpool where we've seen Van Dyke and, and Alisson go go, um, go off injured recently that the, the the difference between the starting players and the backups at Chelsea isn't as big. So I think they can afford to rotate a little bit more than other teams. So yeah, it's, it's one that Frank's going to have to manage. But um looking at this game in particular, um Chelsea should probably have enough. I'm not going to be brave enough to tip a Burnley win or a draw. I think that Chelsea will probably get a win here. But I think it, it's definitely worth consideration. It's probably one of the, the, the tricky games to predict. I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 Chelsea win but I think it's going to be a nervy one um, and it's not going to be a great one to watch for Chelsea fans.
1: Yeah very very nervy indeed um, I think look the the fact that there are five substitutions in the Champions League this season uh, I think helps them a little bit with that whole having to travel and playing such a strong lineup. But as you mentioned, the travel is the biggest concern probably for them. Uh, not even just the minutes that it will be in the players' legs. It's an awful long way to go. And I think the more we get in tune with sports science and stuff like that, um, we're really starting to see how impactful it is those those plane trips are for the players. So, yeah, it's definitely one to look out for. And I think that was a really good shout from yourself. From my end, um, I think, look, I think this is probably a better game for Chelsea having traveled all the way all the way there and coming back to come back to a Burnley team that aren't firing on all cylinders if it was the old Burnley I probably would have predicted Burnley winning this game making it really physical and basically just grinding a a, a 1-0-1 away from Chelsea Um, but because of how poor Burnley are playing at the moment I think Chelsea are just going to have enough Um, I'm going to go with the 2-0 Chelsea win uh, purely because I, I can't... I, I think Werner's starting to get into the mould and into the swing of scoring. And once he gets into form, it's going to be really hard to stop him. So I'm I'm also going to call a Werner goal in this one. And I can see Chelsea getting another goal um, at some point in time. But um, yeah, so so 2-0 to Chelsea. You've gone 2-1. I've given the clean sheet. Uh, it will be an interesting game to see. The next game that we move on to is... One that I will obviously have an eye on. It's Liverpool versus West Ham. Now, it's a West Ham side that has been playing well this season. I think they've started to get in a bit of a rhythm. But then they get an injury to Michael Antonio. Um, If I'm a West Ham fan, I'm hoping that he plays. Because I think he's going to give our centre-backs a really, really big issue. Especially if you look at the likes of... um, Obviously, Virgil van Dijk won't be there. Fabinho probably is you know he's going to be out for a while so he won't make it into this game and Joel Matip is struggling to to be fit for this game now you're wondering who's going to be playing it will be Gomez plus someone else at center back and if you want you know so I'm assuming West Ham's game plan will be long balls looking to get on top of you know any second balls I think they could cause problems for Liverpool in this game and if that's a situation, you want Mikel Antonio playing in this game. Do, do you think that the game could swing on whether or not he plays?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be quite an important um, factor in the match. I think not only what Antonio brings to um, the, the danger that he poses himself and his physicality and how difficult he is to deal with. I think he also allows West Ham to play a little bit higher off the pitch. I think he he can both run in behind and hold up the ball. Um, I think we've seen Fournells and Bowen benefit a lot from playing alongside him. And, and by taking him out of the team, you lose a lot. Not not only just by losing him, I think it takes away from other players in the team as well. I don't think Haller quite offers the same hold up play and, and link up that Antonio does. So, yeah, if, if he is missing, it is going to be hugely beneficial to Liverpool um there's been conflicting reports on Antonio some saying it he could be out for six weeks Others saying that he might be playing so yeah it's, they seem to be keeping it very under wraps what his state um, really is and it's going to be interesting to see what Moy says prior to the game um but yeah if, it, if he's fit I think West Ham have got a genuine chance of do it of, of getting a result at Anfield it's <laughs> you wouldn't say that um about many teams over the last 24 months, really, over the last two years, but with the injuries that Liverpool have, uh, Fabinho going off in the week, adding to Van Dijk, that's that's two huge players, um, and it's going to be interesting to see who does does play at centre back. I think Allison coming back is going to be huge, um, both in in the, the confidence he'll give to the rest of the team and the sort of the leadership he can bring to that back line that we'll be missing a lot without Van Dijk, but it's. It's going to be a difficult one. If Antonio's fit, I think that West Ham get a result here. I think that I could see it being one-all. So my my prediction is very much based on that. So I'm going to go for the one-all. I'm going to give West Ham another point against the big team. They've done well against Wolves recently. Leicester um, did very well against Man City last week before Antonio went off. And then we saw just how much they lost when he went off. Um the, a lot more chances Sterling had a couple of great chances and they probably should have won the game so if he isn't playing I can see Liverpool maybe getting three or four and probably still conceding um, one or two but I think there'll be a lot of goals in the game if Antonio's not playing but if Antonio's playing I can see it being quite a tight game Um, and yeah I can see it finishing one all but um, yeah if he's not playing on that that prediction goes completely out the window
1: yeah I'll pencil in a three one if he's not playing is that fair? for you yeah i think that's fair yeah (laughs) okay cool yeah i've I've got one one with antonio um and then three three one without antonio written down for you look i I agree that he is going to be a factor and it's probably why i highlighted him at, at the at my mini monologue earlier um i i think west ham are gonna have and i'm for their fans' sake, you know, you're hoping that they're going to have a really good game plan against Liverpool. We've seen the last couple of weeks how Liverpool have struggled against teams that are playing direct balls, where you bypass the midfield, get the ball up the field, and then look to, to, to get in and around the second balls. Uh, especially without Joel Matip and Van Dyke. If if neither of those, obviously Van Dyke won't be playing. But if Joel Matip isn't playing as well, that would be 100% my tactic because that's one of the ways to get at Liverpool. Matip and Van Dyke are the two more dominant uh, defenders in the air for Liverpool. And that's why teams, that's how Liverpool usually suffocate teams is that if they press them and the teams boot the ball up the pitch, at least they've got Van Dyke and Matip to just head it straight back to them. Whereas if now you know you've got someone like Antonio that's got the physicality to to stop the Liverpool defenders just heading it straight back. Now you're getting bits and pieces you can collect. You're looking at the runners like Bowen, as you mentioned, that would be the key. So I'm also going to go with a, a with Antonio and without Antonio um, prediction. I, I do think, and you mentioned earlier how Man City don't really have the a high percentage of shots at the moment. Surprisingly, Liverpool seem to have increased their shots uh, this season. And I think that's probably going to help them out in this, in this game. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's just the Liverpool fan in me, but I still think with Antonio, I'm going to say a 2-1 Liverpool win. Uh, Without Antonio, I'm going to say a 3-1 Liverpool win, because I, I do think that he at least gives them that ability to, at least get some attacking threat i'm not sure if Haller and the likes are going to be able to produce the energy levels and, and a similar performance that Mikel would do in these type of games so yeah two one with Mikel, two uh three one without Mikel, but both being liverpool wins um and then the game that comes after this it's um a liverpool, a former liverpool player uh plays for one of these teams in southampton obviously danny ings he's been informed throughout the season hoping to carry on from what he's done last season they come up against one of the in sides in the Premier League they may have come unstuck last week um, I'm speaking of Aston Villa they had a heavy 3-0 loss to Leeds last week but they'll be looking to bounce back there at home against a very tricky Southampton side how do you see um, Aston Villa handling this the setback that they've had this season they wouldn't have been used to tasting defeat this season but here we go yeah
0: this is going I think this could be one of the better games of the weekend um I think it's going to be goals in this one I think Aston Villa they were quite solid for the first um few weeks obviously conceded um a few last weekend to Leeds and, and that might have dented their confidence a little bit but I think they just came up against a good Leeds team and they can. I think Leeds will do that to, to a, several teams this year. I think they might be a little bit inconsistent at times, but they, they can pull out that sort of performance. So, I wouldn't worry too much if I was a Villa fan. Obviously, you've got that that, that great start that you've had, and it's given given Villa a bit of breathing space and, and some optimism for the season. I don't think that should go away in one game. Um, but, yeah, this is this is a similarly tricky, tricky game in Southampton. Um, I think Southampton play of a high line. Um, we know that. So, probably there's going to probably there'll be chances for for Watkins to get in behind and and Grealish and and Barkley to, to get in behind as well so there'll be there'll be reasons for for Villa be to be confident but i think going the other way Adams and Ings just look so deadly at the moment in the last couple of weeks they've looked really good um and their partnership is really developing um i think that they're going to cause Villa problems too and I can the way Southampton have had to press high, I think it might leave them vulnerable, but also give them opportunities to win the ball back high and feed those two players um, quickly when, when Aston Villa maybe aren't set for it. So I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this game. I think I'm going to go for a tool draw. Um, I'm not confident enough on either team to to think that they'll win the game, but I, I can see there being goals and, and it being re- a really good one to watch. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I can see it, but a yeah, tool draw and, um, yeah, I think both teams will probably take that going into the game.
1: And speaking of watching the game, if you want to watch this game, as Jake has mentioned, it could be a sneaky, sneaky you know, game of the weekend. If we get another game like that Man United were involved in last week where it ended up nil-nil in a big game, um, then I would highly, highly recommend that you link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Uh, Liberty Shield are a VPN provider, And you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. Get yourself a VPN. Make sure you've got connection to, you know, access to all the games this weekend, hassle-free. You're not looking, you know, chasing around looking for where you're going to be watching the game. And also, you're not being bothered with this whole pay-per-view issue that's going on at the moment. Uh, And there's anything else that you want to watch. It's always a good product to have, a handy product to have, just to... Be, you know, hassle-free. Enjoy your viewing. And also to mention that this podcast is also presented by EPLindex.com. Um, and to check them out, we'll carry on with the plugs at the end of the show. Um, But with regards to this game, you've mentioned 2-2. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tricky one, I think, for Aston Villa. They'll be looking for a reaction. I think they're going to be able to pull off a reaction in this game. I'm going to say 2-1-2. Um, Aston Villa. I I do see where you're coming from with the two-two, and Southampton definitely have goals within them. Um, it looks like Shay Adams is also coming to the party this season as well. So they they've got two strikers that are really really in even if they're not in great you know outstanding top goal scorer form. Um, or, you know, at at least they they look like they're enjoying their football and it looks like they're creating chances. And that synergy between them seems to be, you know, really, really good at the moment. But I just think Aston Villa are going to recorrect the ship, um, continue their pursuit of of the Premier League title. Look, um, you know, uh, as long as they just keep doing what they were doing before that Leeds game, you couldn't put that, you know, uh, they would be in the conversation. So I'm going to go with the 2-1 for that one. But uh, we move on to the Bank It or burnet segment, and we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, Guy Drinkle that you know he's been prancing around, claiming to be the king of banquet or burnet. But I have to say, we've tallied up the scores. You know, Guy Drinkle last week he got thirteen out of twenty five, uh, Guy's highest score ever was 16 out of 25 that was in episode 4 um he seems to have a short memory because as i said he's been claiming to be the king and he's a false king um i've brought the the real king or hail the king of banquet or burnet uh he came on on the first ever banquet or burnet it. it was an episode 2 and he got 17 out of 23 And I say 23 and not 25 because the first two um, rounds that we went through, I take blame for that as well. It was a new game. I'm also learning. I don't think I read the questions as quickly as I should have. And I don't think you were used to the speed at which you had to answer the questions, but... You you only had twenty three questions and yet you still beat Guy's score. He had sixteen out of twenty five, as I mentioned on episode four. You had seventeen out of twenty three in episode two, so you you must be feeling confident, hey King.
0: Yeah, I am feeling confident. I think that I can come on and and reestablish my uh, dominance in this bank it or burn it section. So yeah, I'm hoping to beat that score of seventeen, and uh, if I get all the questions in, I think I've got a good chance of doing it
1: nice okay that that's on me as much as on you so i've also improved my my speed and accuracy as well for those of you that have never heard bank it or burn it it's very simple i'm going to ask a series of five questions for all of the games that we've spoken about so far um jake is just going to shout bank it if he thinks it's going to happen or burn it if he doesn't think it's going to happen the games once again are wolves versus crystal palace sheffield united versus man city burnley versus chelsea liverpool versus west ham and aston villa versus southampton and then just a quick run through of the questions we have question a more than eight shots on target b over 30 tackles c possession 55 45 to the home team d set piece goal e fist pump goal celebration that should be an interesting one this time around. Um, yeah, how are you feeling about the questions?
0: Yeah, there's some challenging ones in there that might make <laughs> me think. But obviously, I've, uh, I think I can, I can get, these, get these done. Okay, cool.
1: Without further ado, we will start your time. Uh, the first questions are in relation to Wolves versus Crystal Palace. And your time starts now. More than 8 shots on target. Bank it. Over 30 tackles. Bank it. 50-45 position to the home team. Bank it. Set-piece goal. Burn it. Fist bump goal celebration. Burn it. Nice. Yeah, that's is a good start. Yep. You've already bettered your start last time around <laughs> by getting all five of these. Uh, so yeah you're off to a good start the next quest the next game is Sheffield United versus Man City same questions as before your time starts now more than 8 shots on target bank it over 30 tackles burn it possession 55-45 to the home team bank it set piece goal burn it fist bump goal celebration bank it nicely done his royal highness came prepared ladies and gentlemen he's not messing around (laughs) he gets serious when a crown is involved isn't it yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) okay the next game we'll roll on it's burnley versus chelsea your time starts now more than eight shots on target burn it over 30 tackles bank it uh, 55 45 possession to the home team. Burn it. Set piece goal. Burn it. Fist pump goal celebration. Burn it. (laughs) Just about. (laughs) Just about got there. Interesting. You only had one banquet in that one. The over 30 tackles. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. We have Liverpool versus West Ham. Should be interesting. You've given a one-one scoreline projection. If Antonio plays a three-one, if Antonio doesn't play, is that going to affect how you do your bankroll burn? That those are two very, very different scorelines.
0: Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I don't know how it's gonna play. I'm just gonna see where the <laughs> where my mind goes as we go. No,
1: for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, your time starts now. More than eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 30 tackles. Bank it. Possession 55 45 to the home team. Bank it. Set piece goal. Bank. Fist pump goal celebration. Burner. Nicely done. Okay, the last game. Your sneaky game of the week. It's Aston Villa versus Southampton. And you've predicted 2-2, if I remember correctly. So there are plenty of goals to go around in this game. Plenty of opportunities for that first bump goal celebration. Let's see how you go. Your time starts now. More than eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 30 tackles. Burn it. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Burn it. Set-piece goal. Bank it. First pump goal celebration. Bank it. Nice. He's got all 25 questions, ladies and gentlemen. I would be worried if I was Guy Drinkle. Um, he's already a false king. Now you could just get absolutely embarrassed. Uh, and there will be no doubt left whatsoever on who the true king of Bank it or burnet is. And... It just so happens that the next fixture on the list is Jake's team. It's Newcastle. They play Everton this week. How do you see Newcastle handling this Everton side?
0: Yeah, it's going to be a it's a difficult one to predict. Um, I'm probably going to lean into a, a home victory because I'm going to remain consistent. But, yeah, I can see it's, a, it's going to be a difficult one. Uh, Everton's obviously been so good. But what gives me a bit of hope is just the amount of players they're going to have missing for this one obviously Richarlison's still out um, Lucas De- Luca Dean's only got a one game suspension but it will be for this weekend Hamas Rodriguez is a doubt um, so yeah they've got a lot of injuries going on uh, Seamus Coleman as well um, so there's, there's an opportunity for Newcastle to to be a bit confident um, and, and play a little bit more Attack-minded football. I think at home, we, we should play a bit more on the front foot. Last week, we saw Almiron, St Maximan and Fraser all playing the same team. Um, we didn't create a lot. It was quite a defensive performance despite them all playing. But I think this weekend, we can maybe a little bit more. We saw last week how they can be got at by Southampton. They're going to be missing players. Um, I think Calvert-Lewin's a threat, but... Don't know how much support he's going to get and how much cre- um, how much creativity is going to be in the team to feed him. So, if there's one week to play Everton, it's probably this week. So we couldn't have picked a better time to play them. We can't if everything's in our favour going into the game. Um, of course, they've they you know they've got Ancelotti. He's probably got a, a game plan in 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 mind. But I think we've got the players to cause them problems. They're going to have. Makeshift um, fallbacks of both uh, on both sides of the pitch, and if we get Fraser and, and Saint Maximan running at them, it, we could cause some some real problems. So yeah, I'm going to go for a Newcastle victory. I think that um, we didn't play we haven't played too well recently, um, but the last home game was against Burnley, and it was quite a good performance. Saint Maximan played very well, I think he. He does seem to play better football when we, we play at St James's Park with or without a crowd. So yeah, I think he, he could be one that that, that plays the starring role. He's not gonna play well every week. Um but he'll play well every two or three weeks and he's probably due another good performance. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go for I think I'm going to go for the one 0 Newcastle victory. I think we they don't have without Rodriguez and, and Richardson, I think they'll struggle to create clear cut chances. We saw that against Southampton as well. Um and yeah, I think that we've got the players to to nick something. I think it's going to be not a great watch, but yeah, we should we should have enough. I think we've got got enough to get three points. I think if we don't, um, I think we'll probably look back on it as a, a missed opportunity purely because of the the players they'll have missing.
1: Yeah, uh, it it will be a concern for Everton the amount of players that won't be playing. Uh, I I think for them there will be crossing all their fingers and toes that james rodriguez can play because it seems like the creativity level drops significantly when he's not on the pitch for them um so if he can get on the pitch then i think they they would fancy a, a win against everton um with regards to newcastle I, I think as you mentioned that those front players the likes of saint maxima and Almiron if they can get at this Everton defense and if they can be willing to take shots left right and center we know Pickford is prone uh, to an error or two every now and then despite the fact that he's got ridiculous reflexes very good shot stoppings but he does have a mistake in him and I think volume will be the key for Newcastle in this game Um, I I I will lean on your expertise in this game Uh, With regards to how they will play, do you do you see them getting a a a large volume of shots in this game that that might steer my prediction?
0: (laughs) I don't think we get a large volume of shot in any game, (laughs) to be honest. But (laughs) something that is worth worth noting is you mentioned Pickford there in the in the last um, two seasons he has thrown one in against Newcastle in both matches, and it seems because he's obviously a Sunderland Sunderland player, former Sunderland player, it does seem to play in his head a little bit more when he comes up against Newcastle, he tries to put in that big performance. I'm not sure if that will be affected by there being no crowd, because I think the crowd often gets into his head at St. James' Park, so that might be a benefit to him, but it, it, it's always a game that he does seem to to pull out a, a mistake in, and it, it seems to be on a weekly basis now for Pickford that he's pulling out these mistakes. So, yeah, I think that that's another factor to consider. Um, it's it's I think as well as the Merseyside derby, this is another game he probably... Um, Looks out for at the start of the season, so yeah, he, he'll be determined to play well. And I think when he's determined to play well, that can that can lend itself to him making errors. He, he thinks too hard about it. So yeah, I think I, I'm not sure we'll get loads and loads of shots in, but I think we'll get enough shots in. Um, and I think that I, I think it's I think the hammer thing that you mentioned is key. I think if he doesn't play, I'm a lot more confident because I think that we can keep a clean sheet or or only concede one. And if you do that, you've got a chance of winning the game.
1: You mentioned it may be a factor. I think it's the factor, the, 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 the Pickford conversation. And you've swayed me. I'm, I'm, I'm joining you on the 1-0 bandwagon. Um, I think we should lock that one in and take it to the bank. Um, and the game that comes after that, it's the game of the weekend. Uh, it's Man United versus Arsenal, two of the traditional big sides. You know, Man United came unstuck in their last game. Uh, Arsenal lost their last game. These are two teams hoping that European form can can be a positive thing leading into these games because in the league, it, it hasn't looked so great for Arsenal. Back-to-back losses, obviously against difficult teams. And then United, it's been shaky, but they, they had a very good victory midweek.
0: Yeah, the Manchester United, it, it, it's, it's a weird one because obviously before the international break, they, they got battered by Tottenham, things were growing about Solskjaer, maybe leaving. There was a lot of, I guess it was disharmony in the squad, and, and even their performances prior to that, the Brighton performance wasn't great, the Palace performance obviously wasn't good either. So, yeah, there was, there was a lot of reasons for concern, but since the, the Tottenham game, they they obviously beat Newcastle, they beat us quite convincingly. Um, it, it was a bad te- last 10 minutes for us, but they, they were deserving winners and seemed to be playing a lot better. I think that then they went to to Paris-Saint-Germain, won there. They were the better team in that game as well, deserved to win. They were probably the slightly better team against Chelsea, but it was just such a boring game. Um, But they still managed to avoid defeat there and and then beating Leipzig as convincing as they did. I think that confidence is building there similarly to to what it was before, um, following uh, coming back from the lockdown. I think they they built that confidence and they went on a bit of a roll. And This feels similar to me. so yeah, I think I might lean in, lean into the Manchester United win for this one. I think that Rashford, obviously, doing great things off the pitch, but he's doing great things on it as well. And he looks like he's getting back to his best. I think in that period after the lockdown, it was all about Fernandes and Martial and and Rashford. It, it was chipping in, um, and obviously, was getting a lot of praise as well. But Rashford was sort of like the the one that wasn't doing as well as the other three. But now it looks like Rashford is the player for Manchester United at the moment. He's he's so important for them, it obviously. Scored the winner um, in Paris. Uh, scored a hat-trick in the week. Um, I think he got a goal and a couple of assists against Newcastle. So he's in really, really good form. Um, so yeah, he looks back to the player he was around this time last year before his back injury. So yeah, he he could have a really big role to play in this one. Um, I think Arsenal, there was a lot of praise for Michael Arteta um, after last season, obviously winning the FA Cup. But he... Uh, their numbers aren't too good. Their, their expected goals numbers, their, their shots, um, the amount of shots they're having isn't great. They, there's questions starting to surface about Arteta. I've seen Arsenal fans and, uh, on social media starting to question him as well. So Things aren't looking too great for Arsenal. They seem to be moving into that that crisis position and Manchester United ran a couple of weeks ago. So It's going to be a really interesting game. I think Arteta's... He does very well in these sort of matches. Um, unfortunate to lose to City a few weeks ago. Um, uh, obviously, he did very well in the cup competitions last year, so he seems to do well in these big games. But Solskjaer does as well. We've seen him against um, Paris Saint Germain, we saw some against Leipzig uh, last season. They beat City a couple of times, so yeah, he does well in them as well. So it's going to be a really, really interesting match. I don't think Manchester United are. Uh, uh, on an upwards curve, whereas Arsenal are on a downwards one at the moment. So, taking both of those into account, I'm going to go for the two-one Manchester United win, and I think Marcus Rashford could be on the score sheet again.
1: Yeah, look, um, sorry, and your scoreline was. 2-1 Manchester United. 2-1 Man United, yeah. Um, I, I I do agree with everything you've said with regards to Man United. And I do think, I think I mentioned last week's podcast, that I think they're a streaky team. When they're getting in, in a good form, they kind of bunch all their wins together. And they might be in that at the moment. I think the only concern I have, as you mentioned, Arteta's really, really good in these big games. I think they're going to you know sit deep, um, and try and get on the counter-attack, play the ball to Aubameyang and you know look to drive at Man United's defence from that perspective. I can see them playing three really fast players up top and then keeping it really compact at the back. And I think that's going to be United's downfall in this game. I prefer this United team when they don't have as much of the ball because then they could do something similar to teams my worry comes when you're asking the likes of Harry Maguire to play a high line because they've got so much ball possession and everyone's on the other side you know in the opposition's half and then you're asking him to turn around and be dragged out wide to face, you know, wingers and strikers one-on-one, then the concerns start to come in, you know, not just for him, but all the centre-backs at United at the moment. Um, and I think that's going to be their downfall in this game. Just They're going to have too much possession, and it's just going to push them higher and higher up the pitch, and they're going to get caught on the counter-attack. I'm going to call a 1-0 Arsenal win in this one. Um, not, not a shock, and uh, I'll call an Aubameyang goal. Uh, from that perspective we move on to Tottenham versus Brighton Uh, Tottenham side that is you know they're playing really well this season I think Um, they've been quietly going about their business but do you agree in that and then playing against a a team in Brighton who have been you know unfortunate with regards to the scorelines that they've had but between you know the 90 minutes I think they've been playing really well
0: yeah, I agree on Brighton. I think that they're they're the team the season that have have been most um affected by luck. I think they've been very unlucky. Um especially in, in the matches against Chelsea and Manchester United. They played really well in both those matches and didn't have anything to show for it. Um so yeah, this it's a similar game to that, um, uh, this week. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Tottenham um have an Europa League game, they've got so many fixtures that are piling up. Um that they can't they can't maintain that really high level. Um but at the same time they they seem to be rotating well. I think Son and Kane are just in the form of their lives at the moment. And um in a home game against Brighton who, are, who for as good as they are going forward, they are a little bit liable to, to being open at the back and they, they won't change their style for this game. They won't be like a, a Newcastle or a palace that will sit back and invite Tottenham onto so them. They will play Tottenham at their own game. I think that normally leads to goals in these in these um, matches against the top six teams. So I think there'll be goals. I think like Son and Kane are, are probably going to get on the score sheet again. I just think they're in this, such good form at the moment. You just expect them to score every single week. And I think Brighton are still missing Lewis Dunk through a suspension. So that I think his absence was was particularly notable against uh, West Brom. They seem to not have the same control that they usually do and, and when they conceded the equaliser, it looked like they were going to be the ones that lost the game, not not West Brom. So I think without Dunk, it's such a big loss for them and if they had him, I think they, they might have a chance of getting something at, at Tottenham and maybe winning the game but without him, I just, I just can't see it. I think that Tottenham are in, in such good form, um, really unlucky against West Ham they, and, and very unlucky against Newcastle a few weeks ago. They've lost it or I guess drawn in the last few minutes and both will feel like losses. Um and I can't see them dropping points again. I just think that it's happened twice now. I don't think it's gonna happen a third time. I think they're gonna go into the game on Sunday and, and, and get the three points. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a two-nil um two nil win for, for Tottenham.
1: I, I agree that uh it's gonna be an exciting game because Brighton are gonna take it to them as well. But I think Tottenham are just going to be too strong for them. I've gone with a 3-1 Brighton win purely because I just... I I think Tottenham are allergic to clean sheets or something because they always seem to just lose concentration and concede goals. And... I I don't feel confident giving them a clean sheet in this game. Unfortunately for their fans, but I do think they'll still get the win. I think the likes of Kane, Son, as you mentioned, Bales looking to start to you know get it more involved. I think they're just going to have too much going forward, and without Dunk being there to c- help control that defensive line and and be you know the voice in that defensive line, I think that's going to cause problems for them. Um, yeah, it, it's not going to be a, a good. It might be a good game from you know, typical Brighton this season where they play well in the game, but they still end up coming away with a loss. And I think they will just have to take the positives from the game and hope that they can start to execute against some of the teams that, you know, are lower in the table and actually get the results, even if it's ugly wins at, you know, at some point in time. But yeah, I think they'll play well, but it it won't be enough um, as has been the theme for them this season. There are two teams that probably haven't played well and also haven't gotten the results this season it's Fulham versus West Brom I heard a rumor this was your game of the weekend
0: I don't think this is anybody's game of the weekend (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's going to be an interesting one I think that this is going to tell us a lot about which team is more likely to stay up because I think most people have both of them going back down I think um, it's probably fair enough based on what we've seen so far Um, And just the relative quality of both squads. But I think West Brom have shown a bit more than Fulham so far. Against Chelsea in that first half, West Brom were very good. I think um, in the last 25 to 30 minutes against Brighton, West Brom were good again. I think um, Carlin Grant looks like a good signing. Um, So I think think I'm a little bit more confident about... um, West Brom than I am about Fulham at the moment. Fulham have obviously got Mitrovic, a player that can score goals at this level, but he's been missing a lot of chances at the start of this year. Uh, they seem to be very reliant on him to score goals. Uh, they've done that same thing that they did last time, where they've gone out and just brought in so many new players um, that it just seems a little bit disjointed there. And that was definitely the the theme from their performance last week. It just looked very disjointed against Palace and Palace the week before it only managed one shot against Brighton against Fulham they looked like they were in the score every time they went forward and they looked like the, the reincarnation of, of of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team it was, <laughs> and I think that's got more to do with Fulham than it has with, uh, with Crystal Palace sadly <laughs> so I think that West Brom have, have got to be the more likely winners this one I think Fulham look so bad at the moment um, there are some good signs for them some good individual performances but as a team they just don't look ready for this level, and it just—it seems like they've made the same mistake again. Where they came up, and they, Parker seemed determined to stick with the players that got him there. They got a couple of early beatings, and they rushed out at the end of the transfer window to bring in, you know, the likes of Loftus Cheek and 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 Lookman and and a few other players as well. And Loftus Cheek and Lookman are both very good players. But It's just throwing signings at the team, hoping for someone to click and it just doesn't work like that. in at the Premier League, it just doesn't work like that at this level. They found that out last time, they just fall into the same errors again, so yeah, this is going to be a big one, I think both teams need to win this game. It's early in the season, but it's a must win for both teams um, because I don't think that either look like they can take a lot of points off the other teams um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go for the for the West Brom win, and I think that maybe it might spell the end for Scott Parker, um, sadly for him. I think that it's getting to that point now, and, and Fulham showed the last time they came up. They're not scared of changing managers early, even if they got them promoted in the first place. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to happen again. So I think I think we'll go for the 3-1 West Brom win. I think Fulham will get a goal, but I think West Brom will, will, will score a few as well. And I think it's going to be 3-1 West Brom
1: we're going to go head to head in this one because i'm going to go with the 2-1 Fulham win and purely because mitrovic can't keep missing as many chances as he has missed it just does not make sense it, like statistically at some point he's going to get one in right and i i think it, this is going to be the game for him he needs to get his his scoring back up again and as you say he's critical for them in terms of goal scoring i think adama lukman has looked impressive when he's been on for them. So I'm going a Mitrovic goal with um, Adama Lukman definitely going to be involved in one of, if not both of their goals uh, that will come in this game for me. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Fulham win just because Mitrovic needs it more more than anything else. And yeah, uh, a, a game, you know, that ends the weekend for us. It's a divisive game because it's Leeds versus Leicester. These are two sides that are playing well this season they on the you know at the higher ends of the league table this season how do you see this game panning out these these are two teams that are shaping up like they're going to cause a lot of trouble for teams this season I know you know Leicester have quite a few key injuries uh to very key people you look at the likes of Ndidi Ricardo Pereira um Suyanchu is is injured I'll mention Daniel Amati as well just to round it off but how do you see this game panning out?
0: Leicester have been a weird team for me this season. They've picked up a lot of good results. They've beaten Manchester City, they've beaten Arsenal, they've continually picked up points, but then they've had a couple of poor performances as well. The one against West, West Ham sticks out and obviously leaves them to Aston Villa. They're just a difficult team to, to plot this year because I just, in the games I've seen them in, I've not been too impressed with them other than the City game. Um... But City just played into their hands like they do every season. I think Jamie Vardy's probably scored more goals against Manchester City than he has against any other team. It just happens every year um, in that fixture. So I'm still a little bit cautious on, on Leicester. I'm not too keen to, to write them into my top four just yet, and, and especially with all the injuries as well. That um, It's going to be a struggle for them over the next Few weeks as the Europa League kicks into action as well. They've been putting out strong teams in that competition so far, so it's that might catch up to them. And I think it might catch up to them against Leeds because Leeds are so relentless. They'll press so high, they'll run all game, they'll make more tackles than than most other teams in the league. They're just all energy. And against a team that that's played twice since Leeds last stepped out onto the pitch. yeah, it, it might be a difficult one for Leicester to manage this one. I think that Leeds just have taken to life in the Premier League so quickly. That I think at some point there will be a uh, drop-off for Leeds. I think that they won't be able to maintain this level throughout the whole year. They'll get their own fatigue. But at the moment, then they're not the ones that are tired. It will be Leicester. And I think that Leeds are going to get the win here. I I think it's going to be a a 2-1 Leeds. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to continue their good form, and, and Marcelo Bielsa will continue to to get the plaudits for what he's doing with a quite a limited squad. Really, they have made a couple of good additions, but there's still a lot of players in there that wouldn't be at this level without him. Um, but yeah, they're continuing to perform, and I think that they will they will could they would continue their good form against um, against Leicester this week. And yeah, two one Leeds.
1: Two one to Leeds. I think this is gonna be a really, really exciting game. I think it's gonna be two two. I think they're gonna cancel each other out. Um not you know, not because the teams, you know, are defensively sound, but I think it's gonna be just end to end football and the goals are gonna come in this game, four goals in the game, as I mentioned, two two. I think the transition play in this game is gonna be really, really interesting to watch. I, I can't think of a game that Will probably be played at a faster pace this weekend than this game uh, i just fancy both teams on the counter-attack and <laughs> yeah it, it's shaping up to be a really really fun way to end the weekend just put your legs up if you're a neutral uh, you know if, if, if you're a fan of leeds or leicester you're going to be really nervous for this game either um fan base i think because both sides seem to be a threat um leeds will be bouncing into this game off that 3-0 win over aston villa and then Leicester, as you said, they got the win against Arsenal. Um, they've got Jamie Vardy back. That's a good sign. I've mentioned the injuries for them, but they will be looking at the likes of Telemans more. Uh, you know, looking at the positives that have come from the season than necessarily the injuries that have that have come. So that should be a perfect way to to end the weekend, and it has been a perfect way to end this podcast. So that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Jake, do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap this up?
0: Yes, yeah, so you can get me on Twitter at Jake with 2 ends if you want to um, get anything I write or, or contribute it to, you can get it there. Um, and obviously I write for EPL Index mainly, so yeah, check, check out the site and see all the good writing on there.
1: From my end, uh, as he's mentioned, check the EPL Index website. Then also check all the podcasts that are hosted by EPL Index. You've got uh, the daily podcast show, which is the two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. We've also got the flagship show that runs weekly with EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They'll be doing reviewing, previewing the happenings around the EPL. Uh, You can follow this show on the Twitter page, tad Predictable. Um, Follow EPL Index at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPR Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Uh, if you feel so inclined, give us five stars, leave positive comments, let us know what you think um, about the show. You know, if, if you've got any recommendations, give us a shout. Um, yeah, from my end, you can also catch me on Anfield Index. Uh, I'm part of Anfield Index Pro as well. I'll do the Rate Don't Hate show on that. And then I'm involved with a whole host of other shows on Anfield Index. Um, yeah, uh, I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predictable. Our producer behind the glass, he's been Guy Drinkle. And should I say the false king, Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. So if you want to tweet him, hashtag false king, um, I, I endorse that and I approve that message. Uh, he's been Jake Jackman, as he's mentioned, at Jake Jackman with two ends on Twitter. He's the true king of Bankit or Burn it. and remember Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura Sports Social Podcast Network.